Hi, and welcome to Exiting Through the 2010s, a podcast where we reflect and dissect the movies of the past 10 years. I'm your host, Jack Draper, and this is my co-host, Clay Williams. We're going to talk about a movie today that has inspired the worst movie puns ever created. The worst? Oh, dude, come on. It, like, I've, I have a story about pun-related, but it just there's so many... It's a great time, not a good time. Number one. It's a fun time. Oh, yeah. I Is mean, think of another title out? that... What What other Get Out puns are there? If this oh, movie's so in. bad, you want to get out of the theater. Like, you could have do something like that. I like guess, if, but if good Jordan time, but it's so... a bad movie, that could have been, like, a headline. <laughs> I guess, but it's so easy to just be like, good time, more like a great time. Anyway, with us joining us... This week is a uh, host of the Club C forty seven podcast, Salvador Griffin. Hi, I also have a co-host on the show, Andrew, but he's not here, so it's just me. <laughs> yeah, um, tell us a little bit about yourself so the fine folks at home. Um, so my name's Salvador Griffin. I'm from Chattanooga, Tennessee. I go to film school in LA, um, which is the podcast he was talking about. I started with a friend from film school, Club C forty seven. Jack found me on TikTok, of all places, and we had film in common. So now I'm on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> right, isn't that where anyone meets? Isn't that like a relationship starter app, app now? <laughs> what, TikTok? Yeah, of course. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, I, I tweeted the other day. I was like, well, funny thing, kids, me and your dad met on TikTok. No, your dad found me on your the For You page, and then the rest is history or something like that. <laughs> There will be a TikTok marriage one day. It all started on the summer of 2019. <laughs> I was at my friend's house and we were pretty bored. <laughs> yeah, how I met your mother, but in a few years <laughs> from be, now. Yeah, that'll be the reboot, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the re- that will be the reboot, yeah. Yeah. So, Sally, what's your relationship to film? How did you become so involved in it? Um. So, in undergrad, I studied English and film, Um. And I didn't really start my film major until my junior year. Um, And I wasn't really sure if I wanted to do film, but I always kind of liked just like, I don't know, I always liked Photoshop and Adobe Premiere and just kind of messing around on my computer. And so I didn't really know what other major to do. Um, But, oh my God, wait, this is an important thing. Sorry, I'm like forgetting an important, I think this is a fun story. So when I was deciding my second major, I went through... Um, the whole list of majors that they had. And I wrote down every single major that was like remotely interesting to me. So I wrote down Greek mythology or um, medieval studies, like all of this random stuff. And so I was trying to figure out why I wrote down certain things. And I realized every single major I wrote down came back to TV. So if it was like medieval studies, it was because I liked a a show about, you know, medieval times or whatever. Um, So that's kind of how I found out my second major. Anyways, I digress. Um, I didn't really like my film major until my senior year. And then I made my capstone film and I was like completely obsessed with being on set. And then I decided to apply to grad school, but I took a year off in between and now I'm here. So that's kind of long and short of it. That's yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I, I I like that uh, major story. I feel like I should have done that. I feel yeah. like it, that might have been a, the first thing to do. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know why. I think 
I, maybe it was advice from my mom. She was like, just write down anything that seems remotely interested to you and just like see why. And I try, I like wrote down the reason for each. So when it was like medieval studies, I was obsessed with this TV show called, called rain. If you ever heard of it, it was a really bad TV show, but so good at the same time. Mm. And, um, then like Greek mythology was like probably Percy Jackson or something like, even though that's a book series, but it all had to do with some kind of story that I had read before. So yeah, yeah. It worked for me at the time. <laughs> I think maybe if I realized it or not, one of the reasons I thought of Sally Dar is because this this movie, Good Time, which we're talking today, um, it's a weird middle gray area of like high production uh, with like craft and money behind it, and at the other end you have like low production with like real sets and. Um, guerrilla filmmaking so it's i think it feels like a student film but also something from a studio from kind of a studio at the same time um do you do you get the sense that it feels like something that a student would make but just expanded upon i think it's something which i didn't think about this until you brought it up but it is something that a student could do because it's the sets aren't any sets that are inaccessible, mm. but I think the reason why it seems like something a student didn't make is because it is very action based. And I think action is very difficult to do. Right. Um, so right. if you are less experienced, pulling off a lot of that stuff would just not be possible. But mm. um, the sets itself and like, especially like the production design, I feel like a student could do like, I mean, their outfits are just, you know, normal outfits and, they're just on the street and stuff. So there's not that much production design that goes into it. It's just the action. That's more high quality, I guess. And paying Robert Pattinson. And paying Robert Pattinson, which, Oh my God, I like didn't. So this is another thing. Um, I didn't watch the trailer before watching this movie. So I've been doing as of recent, like I did it with frozen two. I did it with knives out. I just like, didn't watch any trailer. Which I don't know if that's a good technique or a bad technique, but it's definitely an interesting one. And so I didn't know Robert Pattinson was in it. I knew nothing about this movie. And then um, his hair, you yeah. know, did not expect it to be so dark. <laughs> didn't expect him to be so scummy. You know, yeah, like, he's, a, he's the worst. I think Pattinson, he's, he's, he's the worst. I think he's the big showcase of this. He's, he has the spotlight for two hours and... Um, he holds my attention for much longer after the credits roll. Um, we can talk about his career, his decade, a lot in this episode. But yeah, he really transforms here. Yeah. We were talking about the guerrilla filmmaking. And um, so I told Jack not to look on the IMDb trivia page um, last night when we were talking, te- uh, texting back and forth because it is some of the craziest it's easily the most fascinating IMDb trivia page I've ever read. Um, oh, it has so many great tidbits. Um, but a lot, but a lot of times Safety brothers talk about how they ask, um, they get permission and then, or they don't ask for permission, but ask for forgiveness. And, or one of the, I forget that's, um, the saying, but basically saying if the police let them shoot on one block, they'll shoot, uh, they'll shoot the five blocks around it. Mm. They'll do the extra mile. They'll break that extra ba- uh, barrier because that's the, even if they have all this money behind them, that's their mentality and that's how they work. And also it's in a lot, there wasn't many sets in the film. They've shot mostly outside. 
And when people would and they would make they made sure that Robert Pattinson was unrecognizable so he could stay in character. Um, and no one ever recognized him on the street. And like they no one um, no one even looked at him different. Um, and when people would come up while they were filming outside, they would he would they would just say, oh, it's for like a social experiment <laughs> or like a social uh, essay or not essay, but um, uh study a social study or something interesting and and they just kept that mentality of not of making sure it all felt so real and that they weren't really making a movie they were just like filming stuff um and that's like that's their mindset and just you know reading some of the stories and who they casted and i'll throw in um i'll throw in some stories that i wrote down or that i put in my notes uh throughout the episode but it's some it's some crazy shit yeah i find it and of course, the um, the legend is Pattinson emailed Josh Safty, being like, "Listen, I like what you guys are doing. I'm sure he saw heaven knows what. They're they're I think that's your their debut or like the one that kind of broke them out. Um, and he's like, "Listen, I, wish, I like what you guys are doing. If you guys have anything for me to do, I'll cater. I'll do anything. Let me <laughs> on your set. And and." I don't think you can. He could do that if it weren't for Twilight. If Twilight. He looked Twilight. at a poster, <laughs> and he looked at it. That's the craziest thing. He looked at a poster and said, and he wrote an email to them saying, "I'll be in anything you want." Yeah, that's crazy. And they wrote and they wrote the script for him. Yeah, they wrote. Huh. They didn't. They basically they didn't have a script, and then Robin Pattinson called, and then they wrote it. Um, it was you know it was great. written specifically for Robin Pattinson. But, uh, yeah, and it's just, it's quite insane. And I think um, the Safdie brothers hadn't worked with a movie star until this point. So now that they're working with Sandler now, the door is going to be even more wide open for them to see who they can get in their in later on in their careers. Yeah, interesting. All fun facts I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks There's also... The there's so many other like facts that it's, it's honestly, <laughs> I, I don't think I can read all of them, but it's just some of these stories to, here. Have you ever, sorry, this is like not really related to film. Have you ever been to like a trivia night, like at a bar or like a restaurant, you know, like a lot of towns do that. I went to a trivia mm-hmm. night in one time actually, but you should go to like an A24 trivia night if that exists. A24 trivia night. A24? Okay, yeah. Oh, wow. That, sounds, I, that would be... That sounds amazing. That would be awesome. Or something yeah. like very yeah. film bro, you yeah. know? <laughs> I think... A Quentin Tarantino uh, trivia night. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Sorry. Uh, no, no that, that, that's for me. It's totally for me. <laughs> yeah, that's for me. That's, you or just film in general. Um, but yeah, what did you think of this? If this, this is your first time seeing it. Um, so we were talking a little bit before the podcast started, but it's, it's not a film that I would pick to watch just like on a random night. So I'm glad that I watched it though. And you guys told me to watch it because it's something out of not my comfort zone. Cause it wasn't uncomfortable, but like, uh, there are parts that were uncomfortable anyways. Um, but it's not something I would pick to watch. So I'm glad that I watched it. Um, but I mean, overall, I think I liked it. It's definitely not like my favorite movie of all time, but I think that is just because it's not the typical thing, the thing that I gravitate to normal normally, but that doesn't mean I didn't like it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think my favorite aspects of it 
was probably a lot of the camera work. I'm not studying cinematography or anything, and I don't really want to go into cinematography, but I thought it was cool. And also just like seeing Robert Pattinson was interesting just because I don't know, it was Robert Pattinson and he was in Twilight and it was just, it was kind of funny. But he was, he was really good. So I think those were probably my favorite things. And also any movie that can kind of make you feel uncomfortable, but you still want to keep watching is kind of admirable. So like there were moments where I, you know, didn't want to look like, for example, when he was kissing the 16-year-old girl, I was like, yeah. this is cringy, but, like, why do I want to keep watching it? Or, like, there were moments, like, when he stole the guy out of... Sorry, these are all spoilers, if anybody cares. I mean... Oh, you know, no, this is we, we spoiler film. Spoiler this is spoiler film. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, when he stole the wrong guy out of the hospital, and mm-hmm. then it was... You realized it was the wrong guy? I was like... Oh my god. So like any movie that can like keep you watching and then like kind of continue to shock you um and also the fact that the whole story was one shitty night in this yeah, guy's life. Right. Crazy. Crazy. I so um yeah. I think it's it's a key aspect that nothing goes right for Connie. Like there's mm-hmm. nothing he does that's like, "Oh, finally he uh, you know, he he got some food, you know, I don't know." Um <laughs> it's like yeah. he can't he can't he can't perform any tasks without trying to find some angle to like nudge his way to man- to like manipulate someone else. Uh, it's it's a horribly uh, cynical look at what someone will do to to achieve their goal, but at the same time, it's so watchable in spite of its narcissism. Yeah. Well, he's the. He's such an asshole, but, like, mm. also he loves his brother, but then again, like, yes. does he love his brother? <laughs> I think I think he loves Nick, and that's that's one of the reasons the sympathy is never lost. And it's all up to Pattinson to also keep that sympathy going and to, like, see how much of a nervous wreck this guy is. Maybe that's not a nervous wreck, but just see how how much he's – how much effort he's putting in and how little – it's working. Yeah. And it could be yeah. such like a, like a Coen brothers comedy or something, but it, it's taken itself so seriously that you're like on, you're on edge instead of laughing at him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the movie walks a very thin line of realistic and melodramatic. Like the idea of stealing the wrong brother or the, the wrong guy out of the hospital. It's very, like you said, Coen brothers esque, but it still, for some reason maintains that, realism because one you kind of believe you would people would make a simple mistake like that without even thinking um but it's also the performances and the way it's filmed um and just like all of the stuff that goes down it seems improbable and for some reason you buy it though because it it just feels so grounded in the reality it's creating Mm -hmm. um and it doesn't really take you out of it Mm. and i think one of like the bigger i think the reason why it it achieves that realism is because one, that was their mindset going into the film. Most of the people you see are not actual like actors. Either they're completely new or they haven't acted in a single thing. Like a lot of pretty much all the cops are actual cops. Um, the, the psychiatrist, this is the craziest fucking thing. The psychiatrist was actually, okay. So Josh Safdie, one of the Safdie brothers, the co-director of the film. Yeah. 
No, 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 Josh, not Benny. Oh, not Benny. Oh, yeah, yeah, I always get confused. So Josh Safdie, um, he got arrested during filming for driving with a suspended license in a shady car. Peter Verby, Peter Verby, the actor who plays the psychiatrist in the film, is actually a criminal defense lawyer and represented Josh Safdie after shooting Rapt. He also represented actor Buddy Duress in the past who got released from prison just weeks before filming started. So... The act, so the psychiatrist is actually a criminal defense lawyer. Wow, that's crazy. interesting. They, they just met. Yeah, I think the blend of actors and non-actors, it's it can be used really well, or it's it just makes the movie fall apart. And the Safdie brothers are are really good at just making this world feel feel just lived in, you know. Even though it yeah. is a organic depiction of queens in that nightlife, like in that kind of sleazy underground, lesser known set of people, it's um, yeah, I, I think the clash of non-actors is, is really well used. Yeah, that's. It's interesting you say a lot of them, like, weren't actual actors because, and we were talking about, like, how the guerrilla filming is kind of, like, something a student could do if they wanted to do. Um, but as a student, you get a lot of people that are either non-actors or just actors that, you know, may not be as skilled. Um, and it's kind of nice that you're saying that, that there are people that actually didn't act, but, I mean, you know, they were fine. Like, I didn't see their acting and think, oh, wow, not believable, um, but there's a lot of times you get non-actors when you're on a student set and you're just like, well, this is bad. So it's a testament to their directing skills too, I guess is, um, yeah, that's pretty impressive. You can direct a non-actor to be believable. Um, cause that's hard. <laughs> it, yeah. It also feels like the only way you can achieve non-actors to be so, to, so like be, to be incorporated in the film so seamlessly is the tone you strike for is the the story you're trying to tell it's not you know it's easier to get non-actors to act like themselves when they're in a movie where they're supposed to act like themselves Mm -hmm. that's the thing and when not like a lot of times non-actors in a movie that's somewhat heightened or something a little different from actual reality they're asked to do something that they can't really achieve without the training that Mm -hmm. actors usually get yeah but the story calls for that kind of realism and that's what the safety brothers wanted and so with that mindset i feel like they really understood what kind of movie they were making from the onset and it, it, i think it's just the overall um the confidence in their ideas and what they're going for is so apparent in the film in the filmmaking it's kind of astonishing that it's like their second film mm. oh yeah there's so much craft behind this and they seem, and they're so young too. They're like thirty. Wait, how old are they? I think they're like thirty-one, thirty-two. Okay, God, I thought you were about to say like twenty-five, yeah. and I was gonna freak out. Yeah, they're like fifteen. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> but I think that that's really cool. Just like we're gonna get decades upon decades of Safety Brothers movies, and that's a really good film. Yeah. Um, this is in the fact that this is only the beginning. Like. Man, um, I want to talk about the credits first. I think that's oh my god, that <laughs> fitting because j- we're we're only so much into this show. 
um, I I think this is this is one of my favorite credits, just because it's so like new and fresh to have the credits play over the beginning of the movie. They did the same thing in their previous film, Heaven Knows What, um, about heroin addicts. And I think Caleb Landry Jones is in that. I don't remember much of it. Um, I think it, it's like a little soul. It's like less like uh, stylized than this one. And because it's less stylized, it, like it, it's more emotionally depleting. Um, but yeah, with this, like the, uh, the credits rolling over um, Nick in, in prison is uh, it's pretty harrowing. And then like you see, I think Connie going to, um, going to Jennifer and Lee. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really well done. Um, the ending credits were really sad too. That's what I, I thought you were talking about the ending credits at first. And the ending um, credits as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, have you guys, this is kind of off topic, not really, but have you guys ever done that before where it's like, walk, like cross the room if you like love candy or whatever? Oh yeah. Must have in school. Yeah. Must have. Yeah. yeah. So like it was a combination of like, oh shit, I've done that before. And then it was like the questions they were asking, like progressively got more sad. And I was like, oh, this poor boy. <laughs> and how he only moves. And the first time he moves, I took note of this when she asks, has there any, has there ever been any family drama? Mm. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Because like, we do move for do you like candy, and she was like not having it. <laughs> and the next question was, "Have you ever been blamed for something you you've never done?" And he crosses I again. Right. I know, and but that was also nice too because I mean, like, I mean, I didn't really think about this until the oh, I I don't know. Sorry, I stumbling over my words. But like, so because he is mentally handicapped, you don't really know the extent to which he's aware that his brother was like manipulating, manipulating him. Mm. Um, and so like at the end, when they're asking those questions, it's like confirmation, like, no, he knows like that he has been used or he knows he's been blamed for something. And like, you didn't not, you didn't necessarily think that he didn't know those things, but you weren't sure of how fully aware of those things he was, if that makes sense. So like at the end, it's like, no, like he knows. And so it was, yeah, it was, it was sad <laughs> that he knew. Even even if he wasn't mentally handicapped, there is a still good chance he doesn't really know he's being manipulated. Me in the sense because like mm-hmm. Connie is so seductive and so uh, and so like convincing that even I, I I wouldn't blame any single person to not feel like they were being used. It feels like these kind of like, con artists or these kind, these um, people who manipulate this way. Mm-hmm. succeed in a way um, succeed by giving the person they're manipulating uh the impression that what they do is their own idea meaning that they still have autonomy that's the best con mm-hmm. artist meaning that they trick them so much into thinking that they're actually doing this without any actual help this was their own idea in the first place when it really wasn't mm-hmm. and so it's so yeah it's like heartbreaking to see that like that he finally knows that Connie minded. See, I don't. I don't even necessarily. Believe, I'm not sure if I agree that he was manipulated by Connie. Meaning, in the sense that I don't think Connie was trying to manipulate him. Mm. It's interesting because I think, in a weird, twisted way, Connie was trying to teach him. Was trying to help him. And I don't agree with that. But like, I think, like even the holdup. I feel like Connie was used that as a teaching moment. What would you say? Like, he was trying to teach him. <sighs> 
I feel like it's a different form of what the psychiatrist was trying, like, was it's a different kind of therapy, meaning, like, Connie wanted him to be there, to be in this uncomfortable situation, or um, Connie wanted um, Nick to be there in this uncomfortable situation, still be able to go through it, understand what's happening. You mean the heist? Um, yeah, exactly. Like, he when he says, you're fucking incredible, you're fucking, yeah, inc- like, yeah. how he's so, it kinda he just gives his, all these kind of pumps up his ego. Exactly. I would say a better word instead of, like, teaching or manipulating might be, like, he wants to include him and, like, treat him I think, as yes, equal. That's so like I the think older like brother, little brother dynamic. Yeah, like, he, he's not, yeah, I mean, he is manipulating, manipulating him in a way, and he is teaching him in a way, I guess, but, like, I think he loves him, and he just wants him to help him with this whole plan, I guess. It's kind of why, in a way, I don't know. Um, Nick, I mean, no, I, I completely agree. Yeah. It's kind of like yeah. Connie is so reluctant to send Nick to uh, therapy. Because mm-hmm. he's like, this is not going to... Because he wants him to be, like, think he's an equal and like yeah. he doesn't have to be, like... He wants Nick to be more like him than he wants Nick to feel like he's, quote-unquote, a real, like, person. You know, to feel to feel like he's he can function on his own. Well, mm-hmm. I don't. I think Connie doesn't think he Nick needs therapy. He looks at like another mentally handicapped person and says, "Is that what you think you are?" And he kind of moves off of it. But like that's his like original idea when he sees the other person in the hospital or wherever they wherever they are. Right. Um, it's he doesn't. He just doesn't think that he needs that help. He thinks that he he just sees him. Connie puts Nick at this pedestal. He kind of worships Nick in a way that he just want. He thinks he's just so pure, and so, and just kind of not perfect, but perfect in his own way. That I, Connie doesn't think he needs to change. I think there's like a probably like there's a distinguishing factor between like yes, he is mentally handicapped, but I think Connie sees it as like yes, that's what he is, and that doesn't mean that he needs to have therapy or he doesn't need to change who he is. And, like, yes, he's mentally handicapped, but, like, he's fine. He doesn't need anything. And then on the other hand, like, yeah, like, it's fine if this is, like, who he is and this is how he functions, but, like, there are, like, different, like, maybe coping skills or something that he could learn. But I think Connie just completely shuts out, like, any kind of therapy, like, even if that therapy is not trying to change him, but just trying to maybe, like, aid him through like different struggles he may encounter but um i think connie's like no he's fine he's just a normal guy like stop trying to change him even though that might not be what the therapist was trying to do regardless i am glad that connie could be permanently out of his life (laughs) Um, yeah just regardless, (laughs) regardless of how he may see himself he's such a bad influence on anyone yeah what makes you say that yeah just, <laughs> I'm. I'm. A, it's a joke. It's a joke. It's a joke. <laughs> Devil's advocate. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that one guy in the um, Socratic seminar. Yeah, I saw a TikTok about that. Um, <laughs> just trying to bring it TikTok at some point. Um, but I, I wanted to go back to something that you said earlier, Clay, where you were talking about um, him, uh, like kind of being like the perfect kind of con artist where you like make someone believe that they're a part of it or that they have some kind of autonomy in the situation. And I, I thought this when I was watching the movie, but I didn't like realize I was thinking it until you said that was with the 16 year old girl. I don't remember her name, forgive me, but there was a point when like, she was like 
in on it with them and she was doing all of this stuff with him. And in my mind, I was like, oh, my God, girl, go home. Like, what are you doing getting wrapped up in this? But it's because she believed that she had become a part of this team, even though she had no horse in this race. But that's a testament to his, you know, skill as a con man. <laughs> Definitely. And same thing with Jennifer Jason Lee, who's in this movie for I can't even explain how I, I don't even know. This is not on the trivia how they were able to get Jennifer Jason Lee in one of the weirder roles. This is two years after she was nominated for an Oscar. And she gets like one of those. She gets one of like the smallest, weirdest roles in an A24 movie where she doesn't really. She just appears and then is never really referenced again in the movie besides like one phone call. By the way, the little girl's name's Crystal. Crystal. Gotcha. Um, Um, I'm I think actors always do that though, where they like do big movies and then they're like, I'm going to go do, you know, something completely off the wall. Like, I just think that's what actors do a lot. <laughs> Interesting actors for sure. Yeah. And like good actors, but unfortunately sometimes they just, they just, some actors who just kind of just cash in um, and don't really necessarily go for the smaller projects. Yeah. I think Generation Lee must have seen the Safety Brothers like previous work, kind of like Pattinson and been like, I want to work with these guys. They're interesting. But that's only assuming. Um, <clears throat> yeah, my thoughts on Crystal is like she, she. I don't know. I don't know if she has anything else going on. <laughs> so I. So this. So this guy Connie, burst into her uh, grandmother's apartment, uh, as like a burst of you know energy and chaos, and <laughs> and she's just like, yeah, I'll, I'll go wherever this this guy's going. But she's like what fifteen, sixteen. She doesn't really know how much how much of a evil person he really is even though he's yeah. 16 unfortunately yeah he doesn't he doesn't see himself as an evil person that's that's where that can get even worse it's like if he doesn't realize the problem then there's no room for change um well she clearly likes trouble because she said she dated a drug dealer so like yeah. she she definitely has a type i'm gonna say um <laughs> But, you know, obviously she's 16 and he's... How old is he actually? How old is his character supposed to be? Do we know? I don't... In the character? I would say late 20s. The character. I would have guessed, like, 30-something. I think Rob Hattis is, like, 34. Yeah, I I would have guessed... He can pull off 20s, I think. But he he looks... I don't know. He doesn't look... I just don't think that kind of guy would be 34. Maybe. Oh, I don't know. Um, but I was trying to figure out, because unfor- unfortunately I have to know this when it's kind of like this huge of an age difference, like character-wise. I'm like, okay, how old is the actress really? Rob Henson's I couldn't 33. Find the, wow, that's crazy. I couldn't find the age of the actress. He's supposed to be 23? No, he's, Rob Henson is 33. Oh, oh. <laughs> okay, sorry. If I told um, you the character is 23, I don't know if, is that big? is that a big of a jump? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I would say so. Like, it looks like he's already been to prison because he has that mug photo. Right, yeah. I like that detail that the uh, robbery keeps showing up on the news. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, like, I was trying to look up the actress's age. I'm pretty sure. Sh- I, I, I hope it's, like, okay. I, I bet, I guarantee you she's not actually 16, but I was just, oh, like, yeah. 
Okay, wait, I've, I've seen, sorry, I'm bringing up TikTok again. There's, <laughs> there was this one TikTok about a Cinderella story too with Selena Gomez. Um, I don't know if you guys saw it back in the day, but when that movie was on, Selena Gomez was under 18 and the like male counterpart was like 26 or something. Oh, Jesus <laughs> like, yeah, like there's a few <laughs> movies. There was another movie, oh, I can't remember what it was. Um, but it was something like that, too, where the girl was, like, 16 and the older guy was, like, a decade older. So, like, Hollywood does it. Oh, is this I mean, any movie? I think that's any movie, right? Any movie? <laughs> a lot of movies do that? Yeah. yeah but the Selena Gomez one got them? me. <laughs> well, wasn't yeah. Carrie Fisher 17 when she was when she was making A New Hope? And wasn't, like, Harrison Wait, Ford, like, really? in his 30s? I'm. I don't know about seventeen, but like really young. I know there was a twenty-year age difference with Leo DiCaprio and Margot Robbie in Wolf of Wall Street. Oh, oh my God! Interesting. But like huh. both of those people are <laughs> so incredibly good-looking that it's 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 irrelevant, you know. <laughs> you gotta cast them. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's weird. It's a weird thing. It's a weird phenomenon. It is. Hollywood's weird in that, is. in that sense. Is Hollywood really, yeah. like, do you see, in as a Los Angeles resident, do you, like, is that a place that is, like, as big and expansive as it's meant out to be? Or is it just kind of like, oh, it's right over there? So, I will say, I live in L.A., but I don't really feel like I'm in L.A. Like, I function kind of in my school area. So, like, I don't really leave this one area, which I guess is referred to as like Westchester or Playa Vista, basically right near the airport. Mm-hmm. Um, so it doesn't feel like super like LA girl, like Instagram model, like that kind of vibe. Um, but for my internship, when I drive up to Burbank, where it's like the actual like studio lots, like that definitely feels more Hollywood-esque because it's like literally like a studio yacht. Um, studio yacht. Oh my god, studio lot. Um, so that feels more Hollywood. Um, but I don't know. I don't feel like I. I don't have a really good grip on LA. That's one thing I need to get a handle on. Um, but LA is big. I will say that. Like, there's a lot of different parts. Um, so, but I think like there. Like when you look at certain sets. Like I drove by. Have you know that? Um, show called Superstore. Oh, yeah. So I was just like on a random road and I drove by just like the outside facade of the store. Like, I don't think they shoot inside, but it was like where they shoot just like the front of the store. And so it said like cloud nine or whatever Mm. the, I think it's called cloud nine is the name of the store. And I was like, that's weird. Cause it's just like right there on the side of the road. (laughs) So I think there are certain things that you see and you're just like, okay, well that's where they shot or on the Warner Bros lot, which is where my internship was. They just have the town where um, uh, called Gilmore Girls set, and it's just like the center of town, and it's just like okay, well, that that's Gossip just, Girl. That's just there. No Gilmore it, Girls. It, okay, for some reason, because I've been on that, I've been on the Warner Brothers lot, and they t- did a tour, and there's a lot of Gossip Girl parts of it apparently yeah probably there's like also the friends cafe and stuff so there, there's certain things i think when you see and you're just like oh well like there it is yeah but then also like la is really big too so i don't know it's not like all focused i guess yeah shooting locations feel less special when they're not inhabited by characters <laughs> yeah and you don't see them on tv it's just 
it's just a an abandoned place. Yeah. Yeah. So I googled Carrie Fisher was nineteen when she made um, A New Hope. Sorry, I had to know that. Wow. How old was her? And thirty three. Oh wow. Jeez. But they weren't. But they're. Were, but they didn't like. Apparently, that's when they started. Uh, okay, look, this is off topic. Never mind. Um, but I just find that interesting. Hey, tangents are uh, welcome. Getting off topic. Yeah, tangents, <laughs> yeah. Well, also, I didn't want to walk into territory that oh, I oh, yeah, didn't want to come back from. Yeah, okay. That's yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but yeah, I think. Do you think? Do we think Rob Hansen looks thirty-three? I think he does. I think he looks tired. <laughs> yeah, but like, that's the that's the I scared. <laughs> but that's the kind of guy who's been up for like three or four days straight it looks oh, like Alex. so i feel like so i feel like he would look tired i mean i think he looks tired but he's <laughs> 29 really laughing why are you laughing so hard about that's that I, yeah i never would have thought of that he just I mean, looks like he needs to take a really good nap i don't I know he almost fell asleep when he was on the couch at the at the dude's apartment yeah i am um, buddy duress's apartment <clears throat> That's when you get a No, it wasn't. No, it was Abdi's apartment. No, Buddy Dress. Abdi, the uh, security guard. Yeah. No, no, okay, yes, yes. He does. But what I'm thinking of is when he's at Buddy Dress's apartment near the end. That's Yeah, no, get... that is, but that's not Buddy Dress's apartment. That is. What... No, it's oh, the security oh, oh, guard's right. apartment oh, right. because he you're uses right. the dashboard of the security guy's place yeah. to go to the. I'm thinking of he's with Buddy Dress. Um, yeah. Oh, speaking of Buddy Dress, can I t- tell a quick story about him? Uh, after uh, after I go, because yeah. I lose my thing. Okay. All right. Fine. All right. <laughs> um, you get a lot of shots finally of like light. Of I think there's, and that's when it's starting to be morning, <laughs> and so the light is coming onto Rob Hansen's face, and yeah, that's when you can see like the bags under his eyes. Mm-hmm. Like this guy is a freak. Yeah, and um, I also don't think, and he's like not struggling to like, all right, all right, I gotta do this for Nick. Like he's not doing any of that. You can tell this isn't the first time that he's done something like this. <laughs> oh no! Yeah. Oh, of course yeah. not. No, this has been like three or four. This has been a running theme for his life. Rather have uh, um, seen Martin Scorsese's After Hours? No, no. no. It, Sorry. It, no, it's yeah, it's all right. <laughs> Um, no one's seen that movie. Don't worry about no, it. No, yeah, I, no one's seen it. No, it's really, yeah, it's kind of like a really overlooked Scorsese movie, but it, that's another one that takes place over the course of one night. Follows a man trying to get back to his apartment after going to another woman's apartment, and it's like, you know, he loses his money. He he lost his keys. He finds a dead body. Everyone's trying to out to get him. He's like suspected of murder. It's like yeah. all these things are happening, but it's like. It escalates, it escalates, and and it, it kind of reminded me of this, and I could see, I haven't seen Benny or Josh um, announce this as a uh, an influence, but I could totally, in fact, this would make a great, it would make a great uh, double feature. I, yeah, which goes back to my point of, like, you were just describing the plot of After Hours, I haven't seen it, but, like, that sounds so melodramatic, there's such a, in this movie, again, mm. if you told me, told me the plot, it sounds very melodramatic. There's just such a thin line yeah. of realistic and melodramatic. Like, is this a soap opera or is this like a gritty crime movie? Um, so my, okay, I want to tell the story about Buddy Duress because it's crazy. Um, so Buddy Duress is the actor who plays Ray. Ray is the uh, the wrong guy that 
uh, Connie gets out of the hospital. Um, he says bro a lot. <laughs> what are you doing, bro? <laughs> he has that great monologue in the, in the backseat of the car. Oh, mm-hmm. oh my, I rewatched oh my, it on yeah. YouTube. Yeah, I did. I did too. Yeah. Oh my Great god, scene. twins! <laughs> it's so Great good. Ones. The editing is fantastic throughout that whole thing. It is so. Oh my god! I, I wasn't going it. back to jail. I'm not going back to jail, bro. <laughs> I was. I was feeling great, bro. I didn't fucking yeah. I care, bro. Up. You know, I was feeling so good. <laughs> I didn't even fucking care. I was just so fucked up. I was just. I, I fucking loved it, bro. <laughs> Um, really good. We could just do that for the whole fucking podcast. Yeah, right. um, so the story of Ray, the character that Buddy Dress plays, uh, where he jumps out of a moving taxi, uh, happened to the actual actor, so Buddy Duress, because he was also an ex-con in real life. Are you kidding his, me? His prison journals and other anecdotes were used as raw material for the script. Buddy Duress's story about la- uh, a late night out, a lost wallet, and an angry cab driver who refused to be ripped off um he uh and was completely um it was uh, based on his actual experiences and he was in the first safety brothers movie i think that's his first credit knows what yeah he played the lead was he like after he was a he's an ex-con man like did he get into acting or was he one of those non-actors no he he got into acting because he was in the first in their first movie but it is crazy though Kind of like Danny I Trejo. cannot believe he jumped out of a cab. Sorry, that's all I... If yeah. that happened in real life, like, like I can't. Oh, my God, I'd be... <laughs> like, you saw how fast that taxi was speeding. Like, ugh. So, like, have you seen those videos where people... Remember that challenge that people used to do, and they would dance to that Drake song, and they'd get oh, yeah. out? It was the one yeah. that's like, Kiki. <laughs> do you know yeah. that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where they get out of the car and then they dance, but then there's like videos of people when the car was going a little bit too fast and they get out of the car and then they fall. <laughs> oh yeah, it's yeah. like <laughs> like actually the car is moving. <laughs> I think the Safety so, Brothers should make a movie about that. <laughs> yeah, it seems. I feel like Ray is the kind of guy to do. I, I, so I took some notes for this film because I'm I'm weird. Um, and <laughs> that's perfectly. We love but, it. Like, You're a- it's fine. <laughs> yes, definitely. Film bros, take note. You beat Sally Dar and I in preparation. I think you should feel yeah. feel good about that. Yeah. Um, these are just fun little notes, though. And one of my notes is Ray is definitely that guy. <laughs> he <laughs> just is. is. Meaning that, like what? Ray, like of, like the character that Ray is just so that guy. Like he, it, like you ripped him out of real life or something. That's just so that guy. Of course he would say bro every other fucking sentence. Oh, okay. Of course he has, of course he has a white, a white ex con friend who says the n word for no reason. Of oh my cor- god, yeah, like that was that so guy. It's he's just total scum, and I'm just like, yep, that that's that's Ray. I I don't even know Ray, but that is Ray. That there's no question that is not actual Ray. Ray's one of those guys uh, that you can't take to any parties because he. He's just like you be too loud and you make a scene like break. He'll on. make inappropriate comments go to, go to girls. Yeah. He'll just right. like yeah, yeah, yeah. he'll he'll for some reason like ask other everyone else if they have drugs. <laughs> it's just like he he's just that guy already. Yeah, like exactly. A, a like thing. he's yeah. just that guy. Yeah, just based off jumping out of cap, we wouldn't be friends. Like I don't need to know no, anything yes. else. Like if, if someone was like that, jumped out of cap, I'd be like, we're not friends. Like that's not the energy I need. Yeah. That's a deal breaker for me. Uh, yeah, you know, deal. Jump out of cabs, like I don't know if we can hang out. Mm-mm. Do we think when 
Connie roasts him at at the uh, apartment at the end. Oh, it's so good. Do we think that's him kind of like? Do you think that applies to himself as well? Like he's I think it applies to how people think of him. Yes, yeah. I don't think it's how he thinks of himself. I think that he's applying what other people have told him in the past. It's kind of like what the Safties think of him. Or do we think this movie likes this character? They say, you know, I won't, I won't quote it directly, but one of the trivia things is they say they really like misfits and they think they're much more interesting and they don't judge them. Mm. But I, but I do think they think that he is a scumbag, but I don't think they think he's like, like useless. They, you know, he's really like his intelligence is in yeah. full display at a lot of moments. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of. Uh... Nicholas Cage in Raising Arizona, going back to the Coen Brothers, like nothing they do will ever go right, just because of like unfit circumstances and uh, general manipulation. <laughs> but yeah, I think that the well intentions are always going to be there, and that's what keeps that character grounded. It's yeah, like, I don't know if if he didn't have good intentions, then we wouldn't keep watching. Yeah. I don't know, like, what would be another reason that would make him unsympathetic? Maybe that he just got, he just got the money and now, like, his brother, like, was still with him and they just are trying to get to, uh, where they try, like, Virginia, I think? I don't, they said, like, yeah, something about a farm. I, yeah. I think it was Virginia. Yeah, Virginia. Get to the farm, and maybe it's just, like, you follow another cop played by Shea Wiggum. <laughs> I don't know. And he, they're trying to catch him. <laughs> and maybe it's that it's that like cops and robbers story. And then I think you'll lose sympathetic with Connie and Nick. Yeah. You have to have also, I think the reason why he's sympathetic is because he's so focused. Like he won't sleep. He like when uh, Ray is like, let's, I just want to fucking relax, bro. <laughs> and, and he, he, you know, he's like, no, I want to do it right now. I need to get my brother out tonight. That's his entire intention. That's all he's thinking about through the entire movie. He's not waiting. He's not, trying to make another quick buck. He's not trying to play the long game. He's like, I need to get my brother as soon as fucking possible. Mm. I also yeah. love the scene when they go to the ba- the bail bondsman. I like that character actor that played the bail mm-hmm. bondsman. Bet he's not an actor. Yeah, I'm oh, pretty sure he's not an actor. Probably, he's yeah. a real bail bondsman. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. This, was, this part wasn't filmed. They actually were trying to get a guy out of... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like that the judge is at dinner and he's like, it's going to take a while. <laughs> well, come on, can't you call him? It's like, um, they're at dinner. They're at dinner. What are you yeah, I, I can't do what, what's already been done, done. Yeah, and uh, he's like, come back with the 10 Gs and then we'll talk. It's, he's just so, he's so focused on keeping his job intact that he doesn't want to bend the rules for anyone. <laughs> but yeah. You, you can imagine, like, there's, you can imagine that there's so many Connies that come into that office trying to get the rules bent. Yeah. Sure. Especially in that time of the night. <laughs> Jeez. Um. So I also <laughs> I wanted to talk about um. Oh, uh, Crystal says um. Crystal talks about a dog that's named Blade. I think that's pretty cool. I think I, I want a dog named Blade. It's kind Just of dope. solely based off this movie. I mean, no, like, oh, there's also like the Blade, the character, is like a. Day walk, uh, like a half vampire, uh, vampire hunter. It was it, it was from like the Wesley Snipes movies. 
Sorry. Comic book character. Oh, yeah, that's fine. Not a film bro. Yeah, 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 yep. It's it's true. I'm, I'll stop saying film bro now. No, you can. No, you. you, you <laughs> it's a derogatory term. All of a sudden. <laughs> God. Um. <laughs> what else? Um. Oh, love the line. I'm gonna. I, oh yeah, this is actually the script. Connie has these like ways that he just kind of like. He changes on a dime. He's so like frantic. I mean, this movie has incredibly like kinetic energy. It just goes, 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 goes. So he tells. So he's in the car. They're right outside of the the theme park or the um. What do you call it? Yeah. The, the arcade. I guess yeah, theme park, the arcade or whatever, or the theme park. And he's parked outside. He's with Crystal. Uh, Ray goes out. He's like, he needs to talk to Crystal one on one. He's like, he says like, I feel like a really special connection. Don't you, you know? You say what I'm saying. Like, do you understand what I'm saying right now? I feel. I, am I just being weird? Like, mm. are, I feel like we have something here. And she's like, yeah, definitely. He's like pouring his heart out or whatever. Mm. And like two seconds later, he's like, all right, I'm gonna go take a shit in that guy's house. Right. It's such and a... I audibly yeah. laugh. <laughs> it's a weird moment because it's like a flash of like. <laughs> Oh, this person, this is a real guy. Like he can actually feel, he can feel things. Like he's not just out to, to like screw everyone over. Um, yeah. And, and I think he's just using her to his advantage so that he. He's trying to be so romantic. And he just says, I'm going to go take a shit in that right, sounds. Right. Yeah. It's a metaphor for that men are full of shit, literally <laughs> and metaphorically. That's yeah. what it is. Exactly. <laughs> That's my okay. analysis. I do it too, for certain reasons. Yeah. The Safties oh. are onto something, I think. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm not so funny. Just the way he says it too. Yeah. It's so quick. Yeah. It's so quick. Penson's uh. unreal in this. It's funny. He's um, so good. He's so good. One of the things <laughs> I love about him is like how flexible he is with accents. I noticed that like in Cosmopolis he has a has like a thicker New York accent than this, but it's like a little different. Mm-hmm. Um uh, like he does, uh, he did an Australian accent for the Rover. Yeah, because what British is he? Accent. British? <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to say British. British? Is he British? Yeah, he's I forget. British. Yeah. Yeah, he's British. Yeah. Okay, okay. He, he did a British accent, but like not his accent for Lost City of Z. It's like much more like. Yeah, it's like a different kind of British accent, isn't it? Exactly. Hmm. And he did a New England accent for the Lighthouse. Oh, very New England accent. Yeah, very thick. Thick New England accent. Um, what are you talking? All right, I can't do it. Never mind. Oh my god, that sounded so bad. All right, yeah, let's think, end the podcast. Know, done. Know, We're done. I can't oh do accents. And thank yeah. you for listening. Yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> accents though to get off the movie topic. We're so diverse. We're all from different regions. Yeah. Look at this. Look at this coming together. You know, Portland, <laughs> Boston, L.A. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. We got, we well, got Tennessee we originally. Claim L.A. Tennessee. Yeah. Tennessee. So, yeah. We can. We're claiming all the regions. We need like. Yeah. Where's, where's Andrew from? Andrew's from Michigan. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yep. uh, that point. I could have called it. Called I don't know why, but I feel like a lot of people <laughs> in LA are from Michigan. <laughs> just be like, just be like, from Michigan, right? I'm like, oh, how do you know? Everyone in LA is from Michigan. <laughs> yeah, is like, that a thing? I don't know. I like feel like everyone's. It's not a thing. I'm completely bullshit. Oh, yeah. like <laughs> See, again, I know nothing about LA. I don't know if that's a thing. Uh, and maybe it actually is a thing, and I don't know. Mm, that, that, that's that could be true. Um, what was I going to say? There's other people from states like that that just like get off the bus with like a suitcase and like, 
I'm ready to take you on Hollywood, and it's kind of. I think that's only in movies. I don't know if that's. Of course like not, a... but it's. Yeah, yeah, it's real. I know what you mean. <laughs> my my trip here was kind of poetic. I did a um a road trip, kind of cool, kind of poetic. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was going to say, that's not cross-country. I mean, that is, you know. Is that cross-country? How far is Tennessee? As cross-country as you can get. Like, I, if I were from North Carolina, then I guess that could have been more east. But. Was it by yeah. yourself? By myself, no. I Actually, me and my sister were in one car, and then my mom and dad were in another car, and then we did, like, a southern route, and then my parents actually took another week and did a northern route. So they were, like, in the car together for two and a half weeks. Hmm. But they still love each other. <laughs> so, yeah. so, so you, you took a scenic route? <laughs> so you took a scenic route? Yeah. Well, no, we did like a – so you can go like more north. You can go south. So we went more like through Texas, Oklahoma, and then like Arizona, Nevada – no, not Nevada. Arizona, New Mexico, um, and Palm Beach. But you can also like go like more north. So you could go not all the way up to Utah, but like kind of just like closer to Colorado and stuff. What know. was your yeah. favorite state on that trip? Hmm. Well, so I had never been to Arizona or New Mexico. So I enjoyed those just because they were very different. Like it was just different terrain than I had ever seen. Like I had never seen yeah. that kind of vibe. Um, but what, I don't know. What was my favorite? I really liked Albuquerque, New Mexico, which is where Breaking Bad was filmed. So that's kind of cool. Film, yep. TV um, type thing. Um, but yeah, I liked the vibe of Albuquerque. It was just unique, interesting. Um, but I, the, my favorite part of the drive itself, I really liked driving from Oklahoma City into Amarillo just because it was absolutely nothing. Like there was just nothing. It was just a bunch of ranches and windmills and but it was really cool right. i don't know i just really enjoyed it <laughs> you yeah you don't really see nothing all that often like you at least see something <laughs> oh, i was in indiana and i yeah i was honestly i was kind of like anxious when i wouldn't see a building for like five miles like because i grew up in northern virginia which is very metropolitan i live in portland now oh, where like it was that. just field for so long, I was actually like visibly like anxious, like where the fuck's a building? Oh my god, this is so much room. It's a bucket list thing for me to do all fifty states. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe no. not in forty nine. Oh, Guess yeah. which one he hasn't been to? California. Mm-mm. It's so obvious. Uh, I mean, I don't know about so like Alaska. It is obvious. No. Texas? North Dakota, guys, come on. <laughs> I feel like it's obvious. <laughs> is it one of those? Yeah, because I mean, it is one of those states that doesn't really exist. <laughs> like, it's, yeah, it's just kind I, of that's the thing I, I think was going to say. Mount Rushmore is right. Is it Mount Rushmore in North Dakota, or is it in South Dakota? You're asking the wrong. That's the reason to go there, regardless. I don't know if I do uh, like one road trip. Like, all right, we're doing all fifty, one car. <laughs> I know like, like over a lifetime, I think I'd like to do all fifty. Why? Yeah, though? like some states just shouldn't be like there. Like I, I'm, I'm just gonna be oh honest. My God, like, <laughs> it's just like <laughs> honestly, why do we have North and South Dakota? Why not just Dakota? Like, why do we need? There's just some states that don't like Wyoming. What's in Wyoming? Oh my God, Yellowstone, Jackson Hole. Okay, good point. Good point. Good point. All right. This is a very Jerry Seinfeld bit of you. Oh my god, Seinfeld is one of my favorite shows of all time. Why are there so many Dakotas? 
Oh. Um, I'm sure there's history behind that that we don't understand, but yeah, um, I want to see. See, this is I'm like this is like a hill I'll die on. Is that like everybody? Not to like detract from people that like go like they always want to go abroad or go to Europe or like go to Paris or whatever. But it's like there's so, so much like. Maine is so different from New Mexico, you know, like there's so much in this country mm. that it's like, you know, see where you're from. I don't know. I'm a big fan of road trips. I love road trips. Yeah. Like when I'm a mom, I will get a Winnebago and throw my kids in there and say, too bad. We're going. <laughs> we're going. <laughs> but, then the last, the road, but then you lose control of how long the road trip actually lasts because it's like you're you're in control now. You have no destination. Well, if you plan it out, like oh, we're yeah. doing this week long thing. I guess I just don't like America that much. <laughs> you don't have to like America to like the land no that build America up. owns. No build up. Yeah, but how do we? But where did we own that? Like, how did we get that? That's right. Okay. Yeah, but we're all Americans. I don't know. It's it's just fun to see scenery. We love scenery. It's fun. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm just being. A I also love driving, though. A lot of people don't like driving. I love driving. Oh, Okay, yeah, I mean that's that's definitely yeah. I, I, no, it's, it's fun. I've been on a film, but <laughs> I mean I, it's fun. Road trips are fun. I I, I have to say I just okay, I just sometimes you finally like agreed. <laughs> um, I just like to be a detractor. Uh, oh, another important detail. So you know how they get they sash money in a Domino's. Mm. Mm-hmm. Oh so, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I'm so I rewatched. So this was my second time watching this movie. I totally forgot it was it, it had a Domino's in it. Mm. Forgot that was like a plot point. I ordered Domino's before. Oh my god! Wow. Yeah. Life I know. Art. I just thought that was Wait. a really important detail to include. Wait. Hang on. Hang on. <laughs> Let's pause. Let's take a time out. <laughs> I just no. I I think that's funny. I'm not saying that that was a failed attempt at humor. <laughs> What, me what, saying life imitates art? No, 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 what Clay said. Um, That's usually what I say. It's it's just, I thought that was going somewhere. <laughs> like I know, that's the great like, thing. Like, Safdie's grandparents own the Domino's. Like, it's, I don't know. Exactly. Like, and then it went nowhere, and it's just exactly. expectation. The people in Domino's were real Domino's workers. That's where we're getting. <laughs> uh, that's how you do comedy, Jack. I'm I an expert. Yeah, so, I, I'm out of the three... People here, I feel like I'm an expert in comedy. Clay, are you be- on TikTok? I, I am not on TikTok. <laughs> That's why I'm bullshitting. Um, uh, uh, okay, what else that was important? Um, cops suck. Ooh, wanted to put that in there. I think, it, like, it, it, I just sometimes when I see cops like on television or, or like on movies when they're just like they're so rude. Like, even when they don't have to be, like, when they're rude to that girl, and it's just like, oh, you're not going to talk to me? All right, fuck you, then. It just throws her in the car, and it's like, I don't know, man, could have handled that a little better. I think it's, it goes, for me, I'm re- I'm interpreting all of this, like, energy and, uh, what is it, uh, just how people behave, yeah, behavior, because it's so late, and because it's happening all... Oh, I, get, I see what you mean. It's timeline. like, I don't have to So people it. are just different than during the day uh, yeah. especially That's connie and ray and crystal and i don't know jennifer jason lee like they're all a little bit more manic than how they would normally behave maybe uh i think that's just people in general maybe not just these characters like i i think uh barhard uh, how do you 
Spar- oh yeah, Ab- don't. I, I, his last name's Abdi, yeah, so I Abdi, call him. Yeah. I, I say Abdi. God, I feel so white messing that up. No, um, it's it's incredibly hard. It's it's the guy who plays the security yes, guard. And yeah, he was the terrorist in Captain Phillips, of course. And I feel like he's one of the victims of this of this horrible human being. <laughs> It was just oh, yeah. on this rampage, and, and he, well, he has no right. He was just doing his job, and he has no right to be caught. But Ray was the person who put the acid in. So, that's, I mean. That's true. Yeah, yeah. That is one. But he's. Connie didn't have to. Beat the shit out of him? Yeah. He, like, no, kept had to. Oh. Yeah, had to. I understand. Yeah, I wouldn't have done the same thing. <laughs> but Abby is fucking great. Yeah, yeah. So he's good. Great. Like, like even when that one scene when he has his acid freak out. Yeah. I just think Ooh. that's incredibly yeah, hard as an actor. Yeah. Like, how do you bring yourself to that place? Like, it's how crazy. do you just like yeah. mumble in the perfect way? How yeah. do you like slur your words or like gibberish? For some reason, because for some reason, I feel like gibberish could be done really poorly where you're just like okay i can tell that you're just acting right now but you actually believe he cannot form a sentence was he in blade, Tw- blade he's probably done acid for irl method <laughs> acting right. maybe he was on acid that's the, that's that's that's, that's, real, that's one of the fun facts actually the domino's workers were real workers and he was actually on acid right <laughs> yeah <laughs> the safties just set up cameras and they actually had him on drugs so. well you know he's the captain now yes i don't know if you guys knew that was it's a, it's a Abdi in Blade Runner, Blade Runner 2049? Yes, yeah, he, was in right. the, he was a merchant. Yes, it. yes. He put, and he t- says it, and he uses it like he speaks in a different language. I don't know if it was a real or a fake one, but mm. no, he's, he's great. Yeah, he needs to be good. in more he's things. Um, There's, I, I always love this antidote, and it's kind of sad but true. He was such a new and upcoming actor when he was nominated for Captain Phillips. He was right. in the movie Captain Phillips, and nominated for a supporting Oscar yeah. or, or supporting acting Oscar. He was starred opposite of Tom Hanks and actually stole the movie from Tom Hanks, yeah. which is incredibly hard to do. Um, and it's the famous meme or gif of I'm the captain now. He was nominated for the Oscar. He went to the Oscars. He ha- he didn't have that much money, so he had to rent a tux. Jeez. Oh, oh, my God. He beat Tom Hanks someone for nomination, too. He exactly. And he had to rent a tux. Oh, my God. Why didn't someone sponsor him? That's crazy. I'm glad <laughs> he's Hollywood another place. You know, he kind of has a, and Clay, you'll like this, he has a Michael Kenneth Williams kind of vibe. He does. Right? Right? A hundred percent. Omar from The Wire. Yeah. Sally, have you, have you seen The Wire? Um, I actually haven't, but um, I've seen a lot of scenes because we talk about it in class a lot. There's the one scene where they just say fuck the entire time. You know what I'm talking about? Where they're like in the kitchen at that apartment. There's a lot of scenes. Like yeah, there's that a lot of in scenes. The wire. Yeah. But it's like an insane amount of time. Like okay. it's like, I think like it, for way too long. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> David Simon loves his fuck. Yeah, David Simon's a, an aggressive yeah. writer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I I need to see it all the way through, but I've seen I think part of the first episode and then the that scene that I just talked about. Off mic, we talked so, about TV, and you said you weren't that big in a crime drama. I'll say give it a shot, but it gets like god tier at season three and four, so it takes <laughs> a little bit of time. But once you get to three and four, it's just oh. It's, just incredible. And a great cast. Like Idris Elba's in it. Yeah. Fucking Idris Elba. Yeah. Very it's like a um there's a lot of casts that popped before they were big, like um like Idris Elba. Yeah. Gotcha. Like and also they're all great character actors. Lance Reddick, um Lance Reddick. Dominic West. Yeah. 
I love me some Lance fucking Reddick, man. Oh, boy. Okay, I just remembered the most, like, crime-type show that I've ever liked and, like, really, really love is Dexter. That's, like, the standalone crime-type show. Which, I mean, you have it's, a dark like, passenger? more than just crime, but... What'd you say? Do you have a dark passenger, Sally? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Stop. <laughs> I used to joke with my mom. You know, he wears, like, the certain shirt. It's, like, a, like, waffle weave, Henley, green, oh, yeah. yep, yep, whatever. Yep, yep, yep. And I used to joke with my mom. They used to have a website. They probably still do where you can buy his like kill shirt. And I used to tell my mom I was going to buy it and like wear it around whenever like I was like, you know, feeling a little moody. And she got mad at me. She was like, do not do that. I will not let you do that in this household. Yeah, you were not allowed to wear that. (laughs) You should have been like, okay, fine. I'll just buy some plastic sheets then. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Unrelated. Yes. Um, but yeah, no, I like Dexter, so that was a little anecdote. <laughs> um, Abdi is fucking great. You mentioned that. Um, oh, like, I, I don't know if there's more to talk about, but that montage is so good of him, of Ray talking in the backseat. I just keep going back to that. Well, it's definitely one of the best things that's on YouTube, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So someone took the time to put it there. <laughs> it's so, like, the cuts are so quick. And the voiceover is incorporated so well. Yeah. Like, it just keeps going, going, going. The ener- again, kinetic energy. That's some, that's a, that's something I can love in a film or a television show where it's just, it just goes all out. It does not fucking stop. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just well done. I think, and I think that how, that creates this atmosphere that's so captivating. Uh, yeah, he like really, he, he depicts well of how, someone actually tells a story like it's not like well and this happened and then and then well i said to myself i think i'm gonna i'm gonna buy some liquor you know it's, he's like he's like uh he's all ramped up and plus he has all this adrenaline because he was taken out of the hospital and he like he's very disoriented and he and like you know he's getting food at a white castle and it's and it's kind of white castle whoa yeah. whoa 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 what's wrong with white castle trying to take a shot at white castle or something no, yeah, it's. I've never. I've never. Is that been. the fast food place that they went to? Why did I think it was like a McDonald's? Because no, you don't see many White Castles. Yeah, I think it's like a very New York kind of restaurant. I think. Have you guys ever heard of Crystal? Yes. Not the character's name. Yeah, yeah it's but Crystal is a the restaurant. Yeah. Um. So Crystal was started in my town in Chattanooga. So uh, Crystal is like our White Castle. It's like a big thing at home. <laughs> isn't it like notoriously really? gross or is it kind of like comfort food oh my gosh no it's good i mean i might be biased but (laughs) yeah maybe i've heard really bad things (laughs) oh my god no it's so good i mean if you like sliders true true um where was it going oh yeah uh (laughs) red depicts this story really well and and it's just so hyper and and it reminds me of when michael pena would tell a story in in the ant-man movies Oh, definitely. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, that, yes. That, that, that kind of energy. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't have, like, him, like, mouthing, like, or the <laughs> character's mouthing what Michael Pena's saying, That'd but be funny. Yeah. it would be very funny. Um, what do we think of the score, the music? It fits. I wouldn't listen to this, like, outside of the movie if it, if it wasn't made for the movie, but it's just, like, when when it's placed on top of Sean Price's, Sean Price Williams' cinematography... It's just, I don't know. I get I get really locked into it. 
but that being said, yeah, like if it was just on text point never, I think that's his name. If he just made this by itself, I wouldn't be like, ooh, like time to listen to that new album. Yeah. What do you it think, Sally? It could have made me more anxious. Like I feel like I, I like it. It helped push the story along, kind of like the whole action vibe of it, but it didn't make me anxious to the point of like the movie we were talking about before that I'm blanking on the name of with Adam Sandler. What's it called, Jack? Uh, Uncut Gems. Yeah. No, 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 no. Punch Drunk Love. What's what's oh wait, say it again. Punch Drunk Love. Punch Drunk Love. Yeah, it could have made me more anxious like that. Um, yeah. So like I I noticed it, but like I didn't. Like, I wasn't thinking about it too much. I don't know. Um, Yeah. Which I'm glad it didn't make me anxious because (laughs) I just can't. (laughs) It's not, it's not like a Michael Levy score where it's just like all strings. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Sally, someone who just watched this for the first time, I'm curious because this is a kind of a hard movie to describe. If you had to describe it to someone who's never seen it or knows nothing about it, how would you describe it as? Um... Okay, put me on the spot. I know, um, I'm just curious because it's so it's a very niche, weird movie. Yeah, I feel like the first thing I would say is that it takes place in one night because I feel like, I, I mean, I realized it was all happening in one night while I was watching it, but I got to the end and I was like, oh shit, what a hell of a night. Um, so I feel like the first <laughs> thing I'd say is like, okay, this entire thing takes place in one night. Um, and then I would say it's about a relationship between two brothers um, and, you know, one brother is mentally handicapped and you don't really see him for a lot. Of, like, there was a large chunk of it where I was like, we haven't seen the brother in a while. Like, I kind of miss him. Um, I don't know what movie I would compare it to, but it's definitely kind of like a quest type movie, I guess. Mm. Like an action quest movie where a lot of things go wrong and it takes place in one night. And then um, that would probably be my, like, elevator pitch beyond, I don't know. I'm like, If I'm not getting into the details, I guess my elevator pitch would be, like, a one-night action uh, quest involving Robert Pattinson, who's trying to get money to bail out his mentally handicapped brother. <laughs> I think yeah, the Saptis <laughs> described this as a heist movie on acid. And you, can, movie uh, on acid. you can take that for what you will, but for what that tells me is that someone tries to steal something, but then things get a little crazy. <laughs> I, yeah, I, called, I texted Jack this. Uh, I had the thought that Saf- the Safties are like if, or the Safties are like um, the a paranoid schizophrenic Michael Mann. Yeah, and like in a sense, like this movie kind of reminded me of Thief. The score reminded. Uh, the, I don't know why, but like the car shots reminded me of Thief. I don't really have evidence for this. Well, I mean, Thief. Um, and it's very Tangerine's Dream inspired score. That's what. That's yeah. also what I was yes. going to say. The yeah. score is very Tangerine Dream. It's like the modern ni- 2019 yeah. Tangerine Dream. Um, and I, and I but, brought up a uh, Sydney Lumet as an influence. I can imagine, like the entire yeah, like of Dog Day Afternoon yeah. with the scene in the, and the scuzziness and... of uh, Serpico and kind of like that. Oh yes, good point. Side of New York, yeah. Um, so, but like, I guess when I was asking, like, describe, how would you do the like, like the vibe of it? I guess put that into a word because I can't. It's like mm. it's it's like a panic attack. I don't know about a panic attack. It's no, it is, some. It's, it's so. Is a panic attack. I, I feel very anxious when I watch this movie. But I, if you told me to watch this right now, I will. It's, it's a weird. It's a weird phenomenon. It's not quite like, I think if I had to 
Mm-hmm. It's not like punch drunk love where it makes me anxious. And it's, it's similar to it in the sense that it is kind of like this quest type movie where like things kind of keep falling apart and going wrong. And it, it's done in a different way, but like similar vibes. So I guess I would say it's like punch drunk love, but a little bit less anxious feeling. Mm. Um, I don't know. What is the vibe? Like that it's not anxiety. Yeah. It's like, chaos yeah yeah it's it's well it's also weird too because like i you're never rooting for someone the entire movie you know mm. like you you're not you don't it's kind of a movie where i don't really care what the outcome is necessarily if that makes sense like i don't care what happens to connie mm, right um, yeah yeah so it doesn't make me super anxious because i think like i i don't have a horse in the race kind mm. of um the vibe damn i can't think i need to look up at this i need a thesaurus to help me i mean i it's hard for me to like i would yeah i i'm not even sure i guess chaotic comes to mind but it's just, I just it's I feel a like lot it could be more chaotic like i feel like it could be more mm-hmm. chaotic and more anxious and i'm glad they didn't make it more chaotic or anxious but I, that's why i don't feel like i can use those words because it mm-hmm. it feels like it could be more crazy because i mean in general even though things keep falling apart he does a really good job at keeping it together. Yeah, like right. one yeah. of my favorite moments is when they're in the amusement park and he's like, Oh yeah. Like I'll go turn on all the lights. And he like acts like he works there. Yes. And cause he's yes. like, so fa- like he's so fast. So he's it's so like, fast to adapt to situations. yeah. Like he's so smooth that like, I, that's probably also why I don't get super anxious. Cause he's like, seems like he can keep it together and like, he's mm-hmm. going to get away with it. And in the beginning too, when they first steal the money, you think they got away with it and then they didn't. Um, and they weren't even armed. I I forgot about that. Like they they didn't even have a gun. I don't think they yeah. said they were armed in the robbery, but I'm yeah. pretty sure they weren't armed. I just recalled I... this, but my friend describes this. If we if you were to um, pitch this, it's, it's as if you're playing a video game, like one of those things, like choice A, choice B, and mm-hmm. your and your choice uh, leads you to a certain path. Like it's as if you picked every bad oh, choice. Oh yeah, I think you told me that. Yeah. That's a, a good game. pitch. Yeah, and yeah, that's, that's probably the best way to think about it. Like, yeah, because these are all kind of like inter- like these are unconventional solutions mm, yeah. to what he's like. Like you said, improvisation. It's also pretty smart, I think. Like asking like the when he's at the hospital and he's at the cafeteria of like oh oh you know like there's cops outside my um. There's cops outside my dad's house, uh, my dad's room. And what floor are you on? A six. And it, and the, and he knows that the nurse is going to reply. Well, it's not on six. It's on five or something like that. So he can find out what floor the hospital mm-hmm. or the, uh, his brother's on. Mm-hmm. And like those little solutions and are like having, um, what was, yeah. Like just knowing to put on the security guards, um, outfit, like having, like making and these choices. Hair too. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did you just use my mom's dye? <laughs> yeah, I yeah, hope I you didn't. The, the one from the yeah. bottom cabinet. Yeah, yeah, in the bottom cabinet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, apparently, Robert Pattinson's hair was falling out because the the contrasting dyes was really bad. Wow. Oh wow. And like it was like fucking up his hair. They figured it out somehow. I forgot how. <laughs> But imagine him, like, losing his hair because of a bad show. Do you guys 
watch the um, Variety Actors on Actors by any chance. No. So yeah, he did one with Jennifer Lopez. It's so good. With uh, promoting, who's promoting Hustlers, and his hair is like doing something wild in that interview. Like it's, he's like, like brushing it through, and it's and it's like sticking, but it's like twisted, but it's also kind of flopping on its own. It's he like part like he (laughs) moves it to left to right a lot. Yeah, he like just like puts his fingers through. (laughs) He doesn't know where to put it. Okay, he's, I don't watch. <laughs> Only for the hair. He can't sit still. There's this... He, he can't sit still, though. That's the thing yeah, about he's, him. He's always, he's like... very jittery. He's a very manner. jittery guy. Um, yeah. I I love his run this decade. We're going to talk about it many times, I'm sure. But just since this is the first time. It's different. Well, we already from... brought up, actually, a few. With the accents. Oh, yes. The accents are is one major key part. But also, I like that this isn't the reconnaissance where it's like you'll just pop up in everything. In- well, it might be. Well, like next year with Tenet and Batman, I think this is the start of kind of. You know what I mean? But since he's worked with people like Claire Denis and the Safties and um, David Michaud right. and Cronenberg, uh, uh, James Gray, yeah. So like, like I don't know if Eggers. Uh, yeah, Eggers. Um, it wouldn't be a lot of people that the public would know about. And because it's not like McConaughey working with Nolan Scorsese doing True Detective and then winning an Oscar, it's just, it's like a different kind of run, both equally as impressive. But since you're not working with as well-known, I I shouldn't say that. Since you're not in the spotlight as much, it's it's a different kind of run. So, Sally, have you seen any of the Twilight movies? Like, what's your relationship with Robert Pattinson? Let's get down to business, I guess all right? Let's get down to business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. finally. Got finally, it. right, yeah. For your podcast. This is actually a Twilight, Twilight episode, yeah. Oh, my God, thank God. Um, so, well, before I say my relationship with Twilight, um, I saw a tweet going around, like, a few weeks ago where it was saying, like, Robert Pattinson was only, like, 20 or 21 when he was in Twilight. I forget the exact age. Maybe it was even 23. I don't know, but it was basically, like, like younger than me, if not my age. And I was like, God damn, he was in Twilight when he was like 21. Like that's insane. That means he was um, even younger when he was in Harry Potter. Oh yeah. 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 Oh my God. The Harry Potter of it all. How could we forget? Well, I was um, my relationship with Twilight. Um, so I read all of the books. Um, I saw all of the movies except for breaking Dawn part two. I didn't see, um, and I was definitely team Edward. I'll just come out and say it. Um, <laughs> the world needs to know. Yeah, the world needs to know. Um, but yeah, I was never like obsessed with Robert Pattinson, like fangirl because of Twilight, like a lot of girls were. But, you know, I liked him. Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen him in anything else besides the, besides Good Time and Twilight? I also I never saw Remember Me, actually. Mm. I, that's the other one. Like, of what else is he in besides like Remember Me, Harry Potter, Twilight, and Good Time? Is he in? He's in a lot of indies. Yeah. Yeah. Can you name some? <laughs> Damn, um, the, lighthouse. the Lighthouse, The Rover, Lost City of Z, uh, Cosmopolis. <laughs> don't. Watch I don't that. think I've seen anything, but yeah. I mean, that's yeah, good. No? I mean, I wish I could flash my memory and watch Lost City of Z again. <laughs> You know? So what? So what's your view of him now? I guess because he's done this because he's trying to revamp his image to people like you who've seen like 
Twi- who've seen him from Twilight or know him from Twilight or Harry Potter. He's done this huge career revamp of working with these auteurs and these very specific directors. How has that been successful for you? Has he fully revamped his image or do you just like think, oh, he's he's back in the limelight again? Um, I don't I don't really even see it as like revamping his image. I just think like he's grown up, like especially since seeing that thing that he was so young when he was in Twilight. Like to me, it's just he's grown up and now he's picking what he wants to do instead of kind of taking what. Because, I mean, when he got Twilight or when he got Harry Potter, like, obviously, like, they were big movies, but, like, he was a younger guy. So, like, he's going to take whatever he can get, especially if it's, like, a huge big name movie. Whereas now, even if he got offered something like a Harry Potter, he wouldn't feel the need to take it because, like, he can do his own thing now. So, to me, it just is, like, he's just matured and, like, now he's picking what he wants to do. So, he probably is the same as he's always been. So, I don't know. In my mind, he hasn't, like, changed too much. He's just grown up and now he's kind of trying to be more more of an artist of his own craft i guess and trying to just do what he wants um yeah what do you think of him as batman um i'm fine i feel like yeah i'm fine with it i don't yeah i don't are you looking forward to seeing him are are you looking forward to seeing him after this meaning like He's going to be in more movies. He might be in more big budgets. His face is going to be around in a lot more images. Are you kind of excited after watching Good Time? About yeah, that? I think so. I, I like him. Mm-hmm. I think as far as, like, people that were, like, teenage heartthrobs, it's interesting to see what they do after. Like, whether it be something like a Disney Channel star or someone that was, like, you know, Daniel Radcliffe. Like, anyone where they were kind of, like, in that – they might have been in Tiger Beat magazine, if you know what that is. Um <laughs> Anyone who was in Tiger Beat magazine, it's always interesting to see what they do when they grow up. So I'm always excited to see how they evolve because like Zendaya, it's a train wreck, train wreck, and sometimes yeah, like Zendaya, like it's interesting to see what they do because like you could be Zendaya, or you could be Bella Thorne, like they took very oh, different paths. Right. Um, so yeah, regardless, it's interesting. But I, I think he's he's good. I like him. I think that Twilight has become a blessing and a curse because he hasn't. He would not. I don't know if he would have gotten some of the no, opportunities to work with the directors that he has worked with if it weren't for Twilight because he's had so much freedom. But also he's so guy, motivated, though. Yeah, he's, he's a work. He's a real He'll motivated guy. But the other curse is, like, everyone still knows him as Edward from Twilight because yeah. these movies aren't so known. I um, think Tenant and Batman will change that. Yeah, totally. I mean, Batman's dad Tenet. is bound to change that, especially, but it comes with a certain amount of... Um, baggage. baggage of course yeah it, and and it makes it all the more special that that uh that we are going into this thinking this is going to be something revolutionary. i i think that he would not have taken on this character if he didn't have like a very specific take oh yeah yeah 100 percent. so excited it's exactly what sally was saying where he like he's now choosing what he wants to do instead yeah. of have like he doesn't have to take the new Harry Potter anymore. He he can choose to do what he wants. He has the autonomy. He has that. He's built up. I guess when I said revamp, a uh, uh, career revamp, I, w- I wasn't necessarily maybe kind of public related, but mostly like industry related because it's hard for an actor to get hired for interesting projects after coming off of, uh, after having so much association with a big name property. Mm-hmm. Like, there's been a few that have been able to move past that, like Chris Evans, um, who was just knives out playing a complete 
um, asshole. Oh my God, like, he was there's great some right people now. who can move past that, but it's hard. Um, yeah. Daniel, Greg, is... Daniel Radcliffe was also a good example. Um, mm. like he has... Yeah, but he hasn't been as successful. Yes, yeah, no. but he can be. But he... He, well, didn't he go into, like, theater-type stuff? He did, yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Like, I've seen, uh, like, Swiss Army Man was promising. Um, I think it's interesting, like, talking about, like, like coming from something that's, you know, people think is cringy, like Twilight. On one hand, he it's, it's hard to, like, get away from that because people will always see you as, like, the vampire from Twilight. But I also think it's great when actors own that. Like, I think it's... if. Mm. I would I would dislike him more if he, you know, never wanted to talk about Twilight. And I haven't watched too many interviews with him and stuff. But, like, especially with Disney stars, I think it could be frustrating if a Disney star, like, just tries to, like, get away from their past. But I think it's great when a Disney star, like, Zendaya or, like, Miley Cyrus is like, mm-hmm. hell yeah, like, I was Hannah Montana. And, like, I'm not a, yeah. like, that's what made me. I don't know. I hate when people try to distance themselves from the thing that made them famous in the first place. Um mm-hmm. So yeah, just accept like you can distance yourself, but you all you you can't deny it. So I think Zendaya is trying to distance herself. Like Euphoria yeah. is is like to me telling us is is showing me that she's not trying to she's trying to become legitimate. Yeah, um, like she's definitely distanced herself. Yeah, and but like, she's gonna be in Dune next year. Like she's working with Denis Villeneuve. So and she was in The Greatest Showman too. The Greatest Showman, yeah. Like I don't know. I, it's interesting. She's the best yeah. Mary Jane we've ever had. Right, of course. See, what I think is interesting, too, though, is, like, so she's, like, around our age and stuff. But when mm. she is, like, an adult and then, like, another generation comes in, like, she'll probably still be in movies or something. Mm. So, like, kids that are in high school 20, 30 years from now, they're not going to know Zendaya for what she was. But she'll they'll know her no, as this actor. Not, no. and, mm. You know? And so I think that's also interesting, too, yeah, is, like... Yeah. But what we know, because I know there's a lot of actors that maybe my mom watches on TV that she knows them because they, I'm trying to think of an example, like an actor that, okay, who's the guy that does that, um, that commercial for the insurance? Um, I can't even think, but there's there certain actors that, no, uh, or no, I can't remember, but there's certain Creed? actors on TV. No, I, I don't, can't remember, but there are certain people that like, you know them for one reason, but then people like, okay, here's a good example. This isn't what I was thinking of, but like the Kardashians. Okay. So people that are like my parents age or our age, will like, they know their association with like OJ Simpson and stuff, but like 20 years from now, the Kardashians will probably, they'll still be famous, but like our kids won't really know the whole OJ of it all, but they'll know just keeping up with the Kardashians, you know, like mm. I didn't know the OJ thing until the mini series. Mm. Oh, there yeah. you go. Yeah. See, but like, that's thing. all our parents know. Yeah, right. uh, to your point though, I think the best people who do that have take like with Zendaya um, and um, a lot of these people who you like, who able to move past their teenage or childhood stardom. They use it to their advantage. Then the the best one, the best example is Miley Cyrus. Mm-hmm. I think that she was able to take it. She was able to use her image as this um, good girl who had, you know, who as a Hannah Montana and basically like, you know, a blonde who had a plucky attitude into something completely different. And now pe- a lot of people don't know her as Hannah Montana anymore. I, I mean, I don't think anyone besides people who grew up with that show, know her as Hannah Montana. And I think Pattinson is kind of trying to do the same thing. He's taking advantage of the, of the 
male heartthrob and he's trying to turn it on his head. Yeah. He's in this, he looks grimy as shit in good time. He looks <laughs> disgusting in Lost City of Z. The lighthouse. Um, he, he looks yeah. awful in the lighthouse. He looks like hey, he's just the, been covered with dirt. The, um, the thing is, g- girls are still going to think he's a heartthrob. Yeah. Oh, I, mean, I still I think do. he's a yeah, heartthrob. Right, yeah, I have no problem with, please, more dirt. Yeah. More dirt, please. please. But, I'm begging but you. I think he's trying to use that to first for subver- me, subversion but also make him more interesting right like the, the same thing you're miley cyrus you're talking about um this is absolutely one of my favorite performances of the decade maybe of all time um oh wow i i, I think it's extraordinary work i i of all time i mean maybe i'll have to i don't know i don't have like a list on me but i I'm gonna i do, quote I do you. I, please do i've already <laughs> written down i did yeah right it's in stone I adore this work. Um, I I adore this movie. It feels it feels like um, like a video game that I'm yeah that I'm still trying to navigate through, and I and I feel like I'm lost every time I I watch this. Like it's not something like oh okay so here's the scene where he tricks the cop. This is the scene where he makes out with the girl. This is yeah like it's it feels fresh every revisit, and I'm not sure why. So, just to, we got to start wrapping it up, and what I ask every time um, at the end of the podcast is, what is your favorite scene in the movie? So, I can start, or does anyone have one? If you have one, you can go. Yeah, you got it. I think I have one. It's, I want to say the montage, but I feel like we've already talked about it so much. Um, oh, I hope you don't take mine. Okay, go. <laughs> I think it's, I think it's, him eviscerating um ray i think it's him chewing him out the way he does it i think it's just i think it's pretty spectacular mm. how he does it too uh, right. what's what's yours sally okay mine's so i i do like the the whole montage thing we were talking about but something that we haven't talked about and it's not really a scene it's kind of just like a moment or a shot is at the very end when robert pattinson is like in the back of the cop car oh, and there's so good it's so, so good, good. It's great because it's, it's one like, of my all-time favorite shots. Yeah, it's so great, and it's not a scene, but yeah, just that moment and just the way the shot was composed, and like even though he's not sick, delivering any lines or something, like he's very much acting, and you can kind of just see the emotion on his face. Mm. Yeah, it was it was a good moment. And the bars kind of like disintegrate yeah. too as it zooms yeah. in closer and closer. It's so fucking yeah. Cool. yeah it was right good. to uh, to Nick, and he's just. And it zooms out. As, uh, yeah. It zooms out when he cuts to neck too. It's yeah. so. It's that's like incredible. Great filmmaking. That's like if you want to teach that in a fucking class, that's the mm-hmm. scene. You should bring that to your teacher. All right. Yeah, uh, professor. Um, <laughs> I think. Oh man, I love when him and Nick are trying to like. They they're uh, it's in the beginning when they're trying to talk to those cops, and it's in Connie's like. All right, listen. I'm gonna do the talking. Just keep your head down. I'll do the talking, and it just—that's like kind of the thing that ignites the fire. <laughs> where it's, oh yeah. Where it's like you can't just talk your way out of everything. You, you don't. You think you're better than you actually are, and that you can kind of, you can kind of tell like he is really no good use for him. So. It's also a great chase sequence. Great, great chase sequence. sequence. Oh yeah. Totally. And they and they were um, one quick story. Then I'll close it out. But um, I mean, it's not really a story. But 
the people at the mall asked the Safdies if they wanted to close it. And that's kind of what they recommended. We can just close it for you. We can close the mall. Um, and so you can shoot it the way you want. And they're like, and of course, being the Safdies, they're like, no, 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 keep it open. We want the, we want the realism in it. So they filmed it while the mall was still operating. Sweet. Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah, that's, they're, that's uh, really cool. There's nobody badass. else that would, I can't think of any other filmmaker that would do something like that has this kind of, kind of budget, frantic yeah. energy, not just budget, but just have these decisions. You know? I, that's, I, I'm really I'm inspired, dare I say, like try, which I am on a budget if I made a movie right now. But if you always act like you're on a budget, it, I don't know, it's a, it's a creative take on it. Just pretend you're on a budget. And what would you do? Well, hey, I'm looking forward to an SDG movie in the future. <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, hopefully, <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> Or or a um, a show that's one that's of the. T- I'm I'm not produced, picky, yeah. you know. I'll take whatever. <laughs> Sally, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We love having not you. A, Please come again next yeah. next time when you come back on. We're gonna have you choose a film because oh, I, I, I want Fine. I want I want you I want you to geek out a little bit because yeah. I'm curious what you choose. Okay. Um. Yeah. So. Please tell everyone on the good old internets where to find you. Um, Sally Dar Griffin on Instagram. Sally Dar Griffin on TikTok, my favorite. Um, Sally Dar on Twitter. Yeah, I'm just pretty much Sally Dar, Sally Dar Griffin everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> and and um, Jack, where can they find you? I'm Jack A. Draper on Twitter. And um, my writing for The Simple Cinephile can be found there. Uh, I am Claim Film. I, ooh, whoa. Hello. Sorry. Hey, what's going are, on? I guess. Uh, are we still on? Are we, we are still rapping. On? I think. Um, <laughs> Did you wake up? I am. I am Clay Film 100 on Twitter are and you? on Instagram. <laughs> what? What did you say? <laughs> I'm. Okay. Fuck. Yeah. I'm on Clay, I'm Clay Film 100 on Twitter and on Instagram. This is going great. Uh, I'm a, I'm Clay Film 100 on Letterboxd where you can see all the Good old movies I'm watching because I'm catching up since school is over for me for a little bit. Um, and next week, I think, is Ladybird with Gabby Iori, mm, which I'm guess. very excited for. Yeah. Um, so, thank you. Oh, please remember to rate, review, subscribe. Uh, really, we, we really help the podcast. We are on Twitter at ETTPod. Um, you can leave a voicemail on Anchor and ask a question, give us a comment, constructive criticism. I know this show's not as great as you all want it to be because, well, I'm self-deprecating. Um, Quirky, relatable teen. Yes, yes, that's that's that's, that's what I'm going. For. That's what we're trying to pander to. <laughs> um, thank you all so much for listening, and we will see you next week on Exiting Through the 2010s.